Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. What up, what up, everybody? It's Double G. Happy Saturday. Uh, this show, Fight Game Podcast Extra, features two segments. The first one is with Dave Meltzer. I just finished recording, gosh, it was about 100 minutes with him on Wrestling Observer Radio. And I said, hey, can you stick around? Because I have one more question that I want to ask you. And he stuck around for 10 minutes. And we talked about the influence of Superstar Billy Graham and whether or not he was the biggest influence or where he'd rank in influencers in professional wrestling. Uh, and then, yeah, actually, I was over there on Wednesday. I hadn't been to Dave's house in a little while. Uh, I didn't go for Backlash, didn't go for WrestleMania, hadn't been to see UFC in, in a few. So I went over there because his mic wasn't working correctly for our podcast that we do. So I had to fix the the box, the little focused right uh sound box that he has so that his microphone works some there was a button that was not pressed that uh should be pressed i don't know how how it happened someone's messing around with it or something uh but anyway when i went over there on wednesday uh i could tell he was really bummed and and i knew i mean there was a couple things more than likely the main culprit was that he knew that billy billy graham uh didn't have long that he was soon to pass and and, you know, Dave is somebody who, when you're the record of history, you get close to individuals, you get close to stories, you get close to characters. And in telling the story, in writing the history, Superstar Billy Graham comes up a lot. So, you know, he was bummed. The, the, the only time that I've really, really seen him, like, more frustrated than... Normal, you know, because Dave, he, he also, he, he's a journalist, and you kind of keep your emotions out of a lot of things. But when when I had to tell him, I actually knocked on his door and told him that uh, that Bruno had passed. Like that was that was the, the saddest I think that I'd ever seen him about something like this. Not not about family stuff or whatever, just about pro wrestling. But yeah, he was pretty bummed for Superstar Billy Graham. So I knew I was kind of, you know, it's probably not going to be too long for the Superstar. But we had a great conversation on Wrestling Observer Radio, and I wanted to continue that with one slightly different angle on this show. So you'll hear that. It's a short segment. It's 10 minutes or so with Dave. But then uh, I get to talk to my good buddy Robert Silva because there's a fight. Fight fans, there's a big fight tonight. There's actually two fights that Robert and I talk about. Uh, Women's women's fight with uh, Katie Taylor. 
and uh, and Chantal Cameron and the Devin Haney and uh, Vasil Lomachenko fight uh, for top rank later tonight. So we talk about that. But Robert also has a, a pretty interesting relationship with pro wrestling. He doesn't watch current wrestling anymore. He he kind of can keep up with a lot of it because of Twitter. Like he knows the main beats for, for news and he listens to John and I on the Fight Game podcast and other podcasts as well. So he, he kind of knows the beats, but... You know, he you, you if you know Robert, he's been on this show a lot, the boxing historian that he is, he has a similar recollection of pro wrestling when he was really into it as well. Uh, and he comes into pro wrestling right in 1981. So Superstar comes back to WWF in 82. So he has recollection of, of Superstar coming back to, to WWF. So asking about that, but also because... You know, Superstar took a lot of his shtick from Muhammad Ali, and Robert is is the, a historian on Muhammad Ali, so we also talk a little bit about that. So when when the boxing guy, when Robert comes on, don't think that we're only there to, to talk boxing, because there is some wrestling talk as well, because uh, Robert knows his stuff. So uh, have a great Saturday. Hope that everything goes well. Have a great weekend. Uh, after uh, the fight, if you are interested, Carlos Toro and myself are going to be on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel. If you're a subscriber of the YouTube channel, you'll get an alert or a notification uh, when we plan to go live after the fight. We'll break down the fight, much like we did Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. And that, uh, the audio will be on the Patreon as well. So you have the video if you're a video person. And if you just want the audio of our conversation about the fight, It'll be on the Patreon. I'm 95% chance, uh, 95% sure it's going to happen. Carlos is, has been a little busy of late, so uh, but he said that he thinks he can do it, so I think we're going to be able to do it. Anyways, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the rest of this show. All right, welcoming Dave Meltzer to the show. Uh, Dave, you wrote a great uh, biography on superstar Billy Graham in the observer. And I saw you on Wednesday and you sort of were expecting bad news to come uh, at some point soon. I, I could sense that uh, your, your mood was a little down and, and I think you, you would even acknowledge that. Oh yeah. yeah. When, when you are obviously being, being historically the, the person who covers the history of wrestling. Um, I imagine when, People get sick, not that you are expecting them to die, but you probably start thinking about their place in history or, you know, what what would be the the lead to a story that you would write about them? Like, does, does that happen just naturally? Like, oh, man, like this person is sick. Do I have to start thinking about their career? I'm the opposite. Um, I start thinking when they die. Um, I mean, with Killer Kowalski, if you remember, we probably had a two week lead. And it was just a matter of which day. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I did not even think about it until he died, even though I knew this is hanging over me. You know what I mean? I just won't. And with Billy, on Monday, I came to grips with the fact that it was going to happen. But um, as far as thinking of a lead or what I was going to write, um, I probably first thought about it on Wednesday night when I was talking to Brian and I was kind of going over my thoughts. Yeah. 
Um, and I didn't start writing it until Thursday afternoon, you know, because Wednesday, by the time I found out, it was just about time for, um, you know, the TV shows and I had to concentrate on the TV shows. So, cause I watch, um, you know, I watch, um, dynamite on Wednesday, but I also w- usually watch NXT on Wednesday. That way I can go out on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, it, it wasn't until I talked to Brian that I started thinking about what I was going to write. And then, um, you know, Wednesday night after the show a little bit, but that's two in the morning. Um, and then Thursday morning, it's all, okay, you gotta, you gotta do all this. And yeah, uh, you, you historically have said you don't, you, you won't pre-write anything at all. N- not a word, not a word. No, no, because I don't know which, which direction I'm going to go based on what happens. And that's not what happens in mainstream media, right? Like the New York Times has got biographies pre-written, I imagine. I gave quotes to a couple of newspapers um, starting on Monday. Yeah. uh, For their superstar Billy Graham obituaries. So, so yes, it's not what happens in regular newspapers. I didn't call anybody up. I didn't, I didn't even look at my, you know, it's funny on this one because I have all these back issues and I, I, what I did do was, um, this was the only thing I did on, on early in the week was I um, asked, you know, a grant who does, who's got all my, my back issues. Let's so go, what stuff do I got on uh, Graham? Cause I know I did, you know, a bunch of stories on him. And so he gave me certain dates of issues and it ended up, I did not look at one of those issues. Oh really? No, no. And I, I mean, I, I knew I didn't have to, because it's like, if I did, I would just, it's another 30,000 words. You know what I right, mean? Right. It's like, it's like, I, I knew what was important for my mind for that story then. And it wasn't, you know, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was really interesting, but I, I just thought, look, I'm not going to get it all in. It's not going to happen. So I just need to go with the stuff that I think is the most important or that kind of hits me the most about him. And I mean, there's a lot, of, like I said, I could have done, you know, if, and if, if it would happen on Monday, I, I could have done an Anoki story, you know, with, with Billy. Um, I could have done it, but because there's that much to it. Um, I don't think there's as much as Anoki. I think I honestly think that when I was done with Anoki, I um I thought, okay, this even more than Vince, this is the most interesting guy that I've ever written about ever, you know, just because of you know, and and how big he was and everything like that. Yeah. I did think that with Anoki. Um with Vince, it was, you know, when you know, I haven't written the the old bit, but I've written Vince's story when he resigned. Um, but with Billy, I, I was thinking. There was so much I could do with him more than, you know, even Ric Flair, um, just because of how many different things that he was involved with and everything. And the, you know, his, his um, effect on the industry or even Hulk Hogan, even though Hulk Hogan, obviously a giant star. So I, I knew that, um, you know, I didn't have time to write a book. I mean, I could, I could sit down in a week, write a really good book on Billy Graham, like I could with Anoki, but, but um, um, you know, you know, if I sat, researched, you know, called some people and there's a lot of people who, you know, wanted me to call them on it, you know, whether it's, you know, other reporters and stuff, I could have done that, but um, this is what I did. Yeah. And I think the thing that I was thinking of when you were, when you, when I was reading the biography is his influence. And that's kind of why I wanted to to have this short conversation with you because influence in, in pro wrestling, often you may not even get the immediate kudos of of your time uh but if you inspire a lot of people they kind of live on uh and and you know through what you had sort of built and and that's what i i think is is so important for billy is that he inspired so many 
wrestlers in the way that he yes. talked, in the way that he looked, in how cool he was, and that and that kind of thing. Uh, wh- where does is there a list? Is there a, an influential pro wrestlers list who kind mm-hmm. of create people created off of this this singular character, like they did with Billy? Character wise, I would say he's way up there. You know, um, him and Buddy Rogers. You know, I would be really, really high. Um, you know, I mean, like a lot of the other, you know, um, I mean, in in the ring, Dynamite Kid, you know, I mean, I mean, and not everyone, but but there's there's like, you know, I, I kind of like joke about all the, the short guys with the long tights <laughs> that 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 do the snap suplex and stuff. I mean, and, and everyone who came from who grew up watching Stampede Wrestling. So Dynamite Kid would be really, really high on um, on the list. Um you know, I mean, obviously, Ric Flair would be very, very high on the list too. But, but, um, um, you know, Ray Stevens to a degree. I, I think uh, Sayama to a degree. Maybe you know those guys come to mind. Um, Antonio Inoki for sure. Um, you know, when I'm thinking about like who the top stars are and who kind of like do people model themselves after. You know, like if you look at Okada, I, you know. I mean, I know Tanahashi modeled himself after Fujinami and, and Shawn Michaels. Um, Shawn Michaels would be one of them, you know, I think to, to a degree as well. As far as like the current era of AEW, now there's a mix of, of a lot of different styles, but it does, it does feature a, a lot of high flying, a lot of high spot kind of moves. I, I imagine like, I, I just always sort of go to like, the Hardy Boys as like being giant they, they, inspirations to they, the current they, generation. Is there well, anyone else? I mean, certainly, would... certainly when you talk to where the Hardys come in and Asian Christian too is is the latter match, you know. Um, but yeah, the Hardys. Um, yeah, you 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 definitely see a lot of the Hardys in in a lot of people. Um, you know, as far as like um, because there there was a there was a Mick, Mick, Mick Foley being Mick, an inspiration to a lot of people at Mick some Foley. Point. Mick Foley, absolutely. That's another one with Mick Foley was, is that a lot of guys who didn't have good bodies thought, Hey, you know what? I can like drive myself through table. Sabu was a big influence, bigger than I'll ever get credit for. Um, very, very, very big. Yeah. But like we currently, like in today's era, we don't see a lot of like people wanting to be Austin or the rock though. LA Knight is kind of a mix of, of both of them. Yeah. Um, you know, Roman has some of the cool mannerisms uh, of The Rock, but I wouldn't say that he is like a direct descendant of, of Dwayne Johnson as far as his character is concerned. But yeah, it's kind of interesting that the two, you know, biggest stars are, are Triple H as well. Like th- those aren't like the main inspirations it feels like to today's wrestling. Well, a lot of the wrestlers are a lot smaller and, and more athletic. So you've got to go with the inspirations being the smaller athletic guys like Dynamite, you know, and Eddie Guerrero. Um Eddie Guerrero's a big one. You know, I mean, you'd see that with a lot, a lot of people. And Eddie Guerrero's memory, I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, Eddie Guerrero died 18 years ago and the Three Amigos gets a pop or heat depending on who you, who's doing it constantly. Paul Heyman, I mean, again, when people keep bringing up ECW and I see ECW, um, you know, I mean, ECW, um, and, you know, um, stuff that, that dates back to ECW and a lot of the booking that we see today and in a lot of the match, you know, type of matches that we see today so i mean he's he's one of them too what about ray because he is smaller than everybody right well ray for 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 um ray and mystico for all the young mexican wrestlers those are the two if you would ask them the ones who watch a lot of american wrestling would be ray 
and the ones who only watched Mexican wrestling, it would be Mystico. You know, like that, that's this generation with the Vikingos and the Pentagons and the Phoenixes and all that. I think those would be the, the two guys. Yeah. All right. I promise you it would be short. That's what I wanted to talk about. And, and that is it. Uh, thanks. Thanks for doing this. Now bringing on Robert Silva, who came on last time. There was a pretty big fight. Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia, which was was not as competitive uh, as I had hoped, but uh, still a big fight. I, I bought the fight. I know you reviewed it on your podcast. And, and once again, I was correct on the right round, seventh round. I, I don't know what's going on, Garrett, but for the last 18 months, I, I've, I've been wrong three times. And when I've been right, I've been very right when it comes to, the, to these boxing predictions. I predicted he would get knocked out by a left. And he was knocked out by a left in the seventh round. So yeah. Um, Imagine if you could have called liver shot. What are the odds to get knocked out? No, nah, I would. I, I thought it would. I, like I mentioned the last time I was on, and I mentioned on my podcast, I thought it was going to be to the chin, because Ryan has shown that he doesn't take the greatest punch. But I got to give Ryan credit. He showed a lot of heart in that fight, and people scoffed at him. Oh, why didn't he get up? Yeah, you try get up, get up from a shot. Yeah, it was reminiscent of when Oscar got knocked out by Bernard. Those body shots you don't see coming. It's not like a, it's not like a shot to the jaw, or to the chin where you could brace yourself. You can't brace yourself with those body shots. He got caught. It was the delayed knockdown, and the rest is the rest is history. But uh, yeah, and um, kudos to Dave about superstar Billy Graham. Um, I, you and I were talking earlier about how close he was to Superstar Graham. For those out there that are not a subscriber to the Wrestling Observer. If you want real history, remember Dave, when Dave's on Twitter talking about the greatest sports writer of the last 50 years, told him he was a great, he is a great writer. Yeah. Frank DeFord, he's not lying. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the obituaries, man. I, I can't wait to read that one. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna really like it. But you know, just to kind of go back to Ryan, and we'll we'll move on, and and because yeah. you the thing the thing that people I don't think people really know this about you. I mean, so the people who are close to, to to you know know this, but you were actually a wrestling fan growing up, and you don't you don't follow the product anymore. But you have knowledge of of wrestling, so I'm going to ask you about some in, in just a second. But uh, right. you knew when Ryan lost, there was going to be a fall guy, and and Goosen is the fall guy. And so, you know, I think it looks like Ryan's going to go up and wait, right? He's going to go to 140. He's also, I think he's looking at Derek James as being his trainer, which you know what? Derek James is the hottest trainer in the sport right now. Uh, he's got a great new pupil that I've been touting for years at lightweight and Frank Martin, who I think is, is special and is going to be Tank's toughest opponent if they ever do face it. It's an easy fight to be made because they're within, they're within the same um, division and PBC. As far as Ryan goes at 140, it only makes sense. He's tall for 135. Yeah. It's a struggle for him to make weight. And I think 140 is more in his comfort zone, zone weight-wise. And also, I would really love to see him fight that dude who, who uh, they they robbed the old man against last week and that damn Raleigh Romero. I want to see Ryan Garcia that's one guy that I would love to see Ryan Garcia fight because he will knock the taste out of that dude's mouth. So, but it's a good it's it's a good move for Ryan. I yeah. I, I got to give him credit. And look, like I told um, 
who was it? One of the one he might be a contributor to uh to 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 uh fight game media. He asked me a question on the podcast and I'm doing a QA and I said, I don't think Ryan Garcia Garrett is ever gonna be an all-time great fighter, but he's because he's a good looking kid, he's well spoken, and he's got a huge fan base, he's gonna still make a lot of money. And if you know anything about it, he's from California too, and if you heard anything about him. Outside the ring, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he doesn't party. He's, you know, he's he's a homebody. He's a good dude. Yeah. So I really want to see him make a lot of money. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-time great fighter, but there's a lot of money to be made with a guy that good-looking and that talented. Yeah, absolutely. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so to kind of uh, seg to what we're going to talk about, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll combine this a little bit because Superstar Graham, who I just talked to Dave about, Superstar Graham's big influence is Muhammad Ali. Uh, I think half the 1970s best <laughs> promos influenced Muhammad Ali. You're talking Superstar Billy Graham. Dusty Rhodes and Dave used to always talk about Thunder Thunderbolt Patterson, yes. who Dusty stole a lot from as well as Ali. They all based their promo style on Ali. And I remember years ago, like it was, I might have been 91, 92 on an, an observer where Dave answered the question back then. There was no internet, ladies and gentlemen. Dave used to get a lot of uh, questions. I, he even answered a couple of questions I sent through the mail. Or through his fax machine, I think he still has the same yeah, fax. Yeah. I, 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 if I if I read a, an old observer, I may come across a a twenty year old version of me asking him a question about something. So one question that they that they was asked was about the influence of Ali on promos, and would Ali have been a great promo in wrestling? And Dave said, from when he was uh when Ali was promoting his fight with Inoki, when he did that angle with Gorilla Monsoon, Nona. He said Ali might have been, had the potential to be the greatest promo in wrestling wrestling history if he ever decided to go into pro wrestling. And at one point in time, when he didn't, um, when it looked like he was never going to fight again because of his stance on the Vietnam War and getting convicted for draft dodging, he was considering it. And imagine Muhammad Ali in 1969 with that pro plaque Nation of Islam gift. Oh, man. He, he would have been more in danger pro wrestling than in boxing because 
Them Southern white fans would have lost their fucking mind. <laughs> Imagine that, Garrett. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll let you catch your breath because no, I'm good uh, now. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so the superstar, I had asked you off air because I know you know you're you're a little young to have been in superstars prime. Uh, but you did tell me that when you first started wrestling, it was not too long thereafter where he came right, back right, right. as the karate gimmick or the kung fu gimmick to face. It, it's uh, funny, Backlund. you know. I just realized this in 1982, early, the dying days of the LaBelle territory. We used to get the Spanish International Network, which is now which is now known as Univision, uh-huh. which is owned by. Uh, Whoever owns NBC, who owns NBC? Uh, Comcast, Comcast, right? Comcast, yeah. Okay. So back in 1982, the Spanish International Network uh, affiliate in New York was Channel 41, and they used to show wrestling from the Olympic Auditorium every Saturday afternoon on Channel 41, and that was that was the first time, Garrett. That was real. From the Olympic Auditorium, and then a few months later, he debuted. Uh, he redebuted for the WWF. Oh wow, that's yeah. uh, you know, you know, and and the thing about it is uh, the thing that you know, you as a boxing fan and as a boxing historian yourself, like there are tons of boxing fans, and you know, we know a lot of them who would never give the time of day to pro wrestling, but like my father. <laughs> You know when when pro, when when boxing when hyping fights is, is is at the forefront when when the fight the biggest fights that get made because of the promotion like pro wrestling and boxing promotion when done well are not that far off like they're very similar when they're done very, well very similar if you know Floyd Mayweather one of the greatest promos of all time what turned his career what made him the most marketable boxer of all time. And you remember this very vividly, Garrett, was his 24-7 series when he went up against Oscar De La Hoya, which was the very first 24-7 series. When people saw how charismatic and how cocky and how full of shit Floyd Mayweather was. <laughs> Chicken De La Hoya and all that stuff. He, he, they, he instantly became the biggest heel in boxing history. Yeah. No, it's 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 amazing, and so you know they're kind of they're they're not they're not as similar as, as maybe pro wrestling and mixed martial arts, but the the showbiz aspect of it is very similar. Which Whoa. Muhammad Ali brought in by, I don't know, Dave says it's Fred Blassie. Other people say it's Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George, but whoever it was, Ali took that and brought it to boxing because before Ali did that, promos in boxing. We're like uh, Joe Lewis or Sugar Ray Robinson. Oh yeah, he's a good. Uh, don't take my. I don't take my opponent too lightly. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do the best I can. And when the fight's over, we'll shake it. That was that was the type of promo you had. I mean, yeah. But Ali brought that showmanship into the ring, and it was. And it only made sense that a Dusty Rhodes, a superstar Graham, an Austin Idol will copy. Well, for a superstar copied Ali. Dusty copied Ali and Graham, Austin Idol, even years later, Scott Steiner, like you and John talked about the the huge influence Superstar Graham had on uh, on wrestling promos. Well, that all came from him copying Muhammad Ali. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and just uh, I just want to make note here that uh, so when when this goes up, it'll be Friday night, Saturday morning. And if you are a member of the Patreon or if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, we'll have Robert's uh, uh, episode four of your life and times of Muhammad Ali series that you're doing on the Patreon. And it will be up there uh, this weekend sometime for people who want to check that out. And that that will be uh, his February 6th, 1967 fight in Houston, Texas, which at that point in time, 37,000 people attended that fight back in February 1967. Now, back then, ladies and gentlemen, people didn't do like today. Like today, with WWE and AEW for their big, big pay-per-views, people from all over the United States, people from all over, all over the world, never mind the United States, fly in to see those fights, right? right. Uh, those 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 cards, right. those paper WrestleMania. Um, I'm sure a lot of are going to England, the 70,000 that are going to attend. I'm sure a lot of Americans are going over there. You would know better than me. But back in 1967, I'll lead you 37,000 people. 35,000 were from Houston. Right? <laughs> it, was, it wasn't like... People were getting on on plane flights to go see a heavyweight championship world. It was more of a local draw. And so wherever Ali went from the minute he beat Sonny Liston until he – when he beat Leon Spinks in September of 1978, 56,000 people attended that fight at uh, the Superdome. And it got some type of a crazy, like a 65 share on ABC. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I t- do, do, doing the Patreon four parts so far. It's a, it's a 10 part series. You got four episodes. I talk about how this man became larger than life. And basically through the eyes of my father, conversations I had with my father, Throughout our lifetime, about Ali and uh, my father still, my father loved Ali like Garrett knows how much I love Tommy Hearns. Right, that's the type of love he had for Muhammad Ali, and he used to always tell me stories. And so, on the Patreon, each fight, I talk about the stories my father told uh, told me as he was living at that time, and what was going on in the world in in the 1960s. It was the most. Oh, turbulent times, especially when it came to civil rights and the Vietnam War. And Ali was at the forefront of all that. All right, let's bring it back to today's age because we have a, a pretty big fight to talk about this uh, this weekend. The last time we talked, uh, the Tank and, and Garcia um, preview that we did, you had mentioned that Haney and Lomachenko was, was coming soon as well. Yeah. and. Did you see the uh, the little little pull apart I, that they had? I today? saw it right before you called me. Um, I got home because I was at work. I got home about half hour ago, and then I go onto the Twitter machine and I see that Lo, uh, that Haney shoved Lomachenko, and Haney's been fined an undisclosed amount of money. Not you know that there's no need for that. There's no need for that. He could have hurt Lomachenko, and the yeah. fight canceled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I, I, there, it's possible there could have been some trash talk, but didn't didn't look like it was provoked. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what Lomachenko could have said that would have set him off. It seemed based off of what Haney said after, which is that 
you know, he's too small and see how easy I w- it was for me to push him. It seemed like maybe it was premeditated that he wanted to kind of maybe try and intimidate him in some way. I don't know. It, that that stuff is, it, it, it can, it, it, that, you know, we can talk about the pro wrestling part of it. That is more pro wrestling yeah, than it is actual. Pro wrestling yeah, than yeah. it has that actual part of the fight. So, uh, well, I, I mean. Who was I, it that, it was, uh, it was Larry Donald, I think, that. Before his fight with Riddick Bowe, Riddick Bowe just went and punched him during the press conference. <laughs> I'm like, what the? There's no need for that. There's no need for that. That's that's unnecessary. And like you said, it's part of the pro wrestling part of the sport. But he could have seriously gotten hurt. And then yeah. Devin Haney's supposed to get $4 million for this fight. There had yeah. been no $4 million if, if he would have hurt Lomachenko. And uh, this day in age, you do anything now. AKA John Morant, you could be stripped of all oh, types. Yeah. Of, he could have been stripped of all his titles. So he's got to, he's got to be careful, Devin Haney. But one thing I want to mention before you ask the prediction, you said about him being too small. I don't know where they are, why they are fudging these numbers, but they got Lomachenko at five seven and Devin Haney at five eight. There's no way in the world Devin Haney's only inch taller than Lomachenko. Yeah, he's got a he's got a crazy reach on this dude too. Oh, six and a half, six and a half inches. Yeah, that that I look more at that than the, and I mentioned that on my pound for pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network earlier in the week. That that's the that's the huge advantage Devin Haney has over him is six and a half inch reach advantage. That and so there's no way Devin Haney's only five eight and Lomachenko's five seven. Maybe in heels he's five seven, but he's not he's not an inch shorter than Devin Haney. Much yeah. shorter than that. So how how do you see this fight? Because Devin Haney, he's not super duper active, but he's been talked about as possibly, you know, the, he could be the best guy in the division that, you know, maybe not everyone knows, but he's not super active. He hasn't always been super impressive uh, as well. You know, he doesn't get the he doesn't get the eyeballs during his fights all the time. And Lomachenko uh, you know, he had to go away for the stuff that he was doing for his country. And since coming back, you know, I think there's there's some questions about him. So it's, it seems a little bit like this fight is not uh, – I, I'm not – I don't want to say it's not well promoted, but it doesn't seem to have the same type of flair as the fight that we just saw. Now, the personalities are way different as well. Yeah. Well, you've got – you've got uh, charismatic – uh, personalities and Tank uh, Davis and Ryan Garcia, they're probably two of the top five charismatic personalities in the sport. So when them two clash, you had all these eyes and the whole nine. But both those guys are big drawing cards. Uh, Haney and Lomachenko are not. Uh, Lomachenko, it's hard for an Eastern European to come to the United States and be a big draw. It's never, it's, it's, it's yet to happen. And as far as uh, Devin Haney goes, even though he's the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, you're right. It, there's not a lot of shine to his name, but here's another prediction I made that looks like it might come to fruition. A year ago, when Devin Haney signed a four-fight deal with Bob Arum, I made the prediction that he would beat Cambosos twice. He beat Cambosos twice. He he won the undisputed title from Cambosos, then beat him in a rematch because Cambosos had a, re, a rematch clause. I said the third fight would be against Lomachenko, which is happening tomorrow tonight. And the fourth fight, if he stays at lightweight, because he's got a four-fight deal with Aram, 
will be against Shakur Stevenson. And I said that the big fight of 2023 will not be Crawford versus Spence, will not be Furyk versus Usyk, but would be Shakur versus Haney in the fall. So I'm halfway there. Let's see if I get to three quarters of, of the way there after tonight. All right, well, let's talk about Shakur in a second. But uh, you, you you made your prediction uh, on uh, pound for pound. Uh, I, I I sort of feel like the thing is set up for uh, for it to be a competitive fight. Uh, but you know, for for if Haney doesn't win this fight, I think it's kind of a disappointment. Yes. Uh, yes. And yes. and so you know all, but but it's it's also the pressure is pretty much solely on him. Yes, in this fight, which is kind yes. of a big deal because he has not been in these these big fights yet. So, uh, does that have an effect on his performance? Do you think the fact I, that all I, eyes are on him here? Devin Haney has been in the boxing rings, been trained by his father since he was four or five years old. He's grown up in the sport like a Tank Davis, like a Shakur Stevenson, like a Vasily Lomachenko. Like a Tiafimo Lopez. These guys have been around boxing their entire career. Once once he steps in the ring, all that goes out the window. He went to Australia twice, fought no fought in front of over fifty thousand people in the other guy's backyard and didn't lose a single round in either fight. So yeah. I don't think that's gonna that's gonna matter uh tomorrow night. And plus, they're fighting in Vegas. He lives in Vegas, he's from Vegas. It's his hometown. Maybe the pressure will be on for him to shine in front of his family and, and stuff. But as far as a big fight goes, once Haney gets in the ring and he and he um he settles down and the nerves go away, that's not going to mean a hill of beans. Do uh, the the father son story with Devin Haney is actually very cool. And, you know, the dad, I saw a quote from the dad the other day saying, you know, he, he doesn't work for me. I work for him. And, and and I'm happy that that is what the relationship is. And it made it sound like Devin really, he, you know, he, he sees himself as uh, a businessman whose client is himself. Yeah. Yes. Which is yes. very smart as long as he can sustain you know, being being the top dog, but I just I love that story because you know a lot of times you hear the story of you know these guys who are kind of picked out of um, you know maybe maybe not 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 the best areas of of life and and they come into boxing and and they're just kind of controlled you know they don't really have any control of of their name or of their likeness or who they can fight and and this guy and his pops are kind of running their own show and that's that's pretty impressive for someone who's that who's as young as he is. Well, kudos to Bill Haney, Devin's father. He lived the type of life that he made sure his son did live. He's an ex-con, a convicted uh, drug dealer, but he turned his life around. He converted to 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 a Muslim while he was in prison. And when he came out of prison and he started his family, started raising Devin, he didn't want the same thing, and he devoted his life to Islam and he devoted his life to teaching his son how to box and to keeping his son on a straight edge and you see how close they are and you know it's funny his first fight versus Cambosis the Australian government uh, probably cahoots with the uh, people in, ch in charge of Cambosis' career 
found the clause where convicted felons were not allowed to travel into their country. And they said, well, um, Bill can't be his trainer. Um, So Zab Judah's father took over and did a hell of a job um, training Haney. And then at the last minute, because they got a lot of because a, a lot of boxing fans were upset. A lot of media folk were upset that these shenanigans were going on. Bill Haney got a last second uh, visa into the work visa into Australia and was there the night of someone. Yeah, it's, it's a great story. It's just one yeah, of those things. It's a where... great, it, it shows everybody out there that regardless of where you come from, you could turn your life around and whatever mistakes you made, you could make sure that your children don't make those same mistakes. Um, when I look at Bill Haney, reminds me of my father, because my father was a convicted drug dealer. And when he raised his his children, he made sure that me, my brother, my two sisters never had to resort to a life of crime. And he told us the he, he, he never glamorized it. Like, unfortunately, the media, especially in music and television, the, glamoriz- the glamorization of drug dealing really pisses me off to, to, to the core of my heart because my father went through that. And I saw the hell he had to go through and over to overcome that and make sure his kids didn't do that. That's why I, I love their relationship. And when you see Devin talk, this was a misstep tonight with him pushing uh, Lomachenko. But when you hear him talk, you hear the, the respect he has for, for the father, for his father, the respect he has for the game. You can't help but like the young man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so give me your official prediction. What is going to happen when these guys... Uh, when these guys get in the ring, Las Vegas, ESPN Plus, uh, top rank, uh, pay-per-view. So, you know, very important fight. A lot of people are going to be watching. What What is your official prediction? Okay, as you remember, because we came on after it was over, you, Carlos, and I, after Lomachenko lost to Teofimo Lopez. Lomachenko has problems with guys much taller with the longer reach that throw a lot of jabs. Lopez's jab is not a pit bull on the ass of Haney's jab. Haney has a great left jab. He's a tremendous boxer, tremendous defensive fighter. And Lomachenko's going to have that same difficulty of trying to get within that reach. That's uh, Loma's Achilles heel is tall boxers. And uh, Haney's going to use that to his advantage. And he's I see him winning a comfortable 12-round decision. Will Loma have a few moments in the fight? Maybe. I don't know. He cannot outbox Devin Haney. And Lomachenko's not a slugger. He's a boxer. Yes. Um, he gives you angles in the whole nine, but I don't, that's not going to work against a master boxer, a superior defensive fighter, and a guy who doesn't lose rounds in um, Devin Haney. And also, you have to take the age factor into consideration. Mm-hmm. Lomachenko's 35, and as you saw in his fight versus Richard Comey, and before that, when he lost to Tiafimo Lopez, He's lost a step in speed. At one point in time, you could have made an argument that active among active fighters at that time, five, six years ago, Lomachenko was the quickest. He's no longer the quickest. And this fight might be the first time he faces a fighter who's quicker than him. As uh, Shaquille O'Neal would say, Lomachenko has feet work. That's uh, that that's the plus that he has when, when he is inside the ring. Great yes, work. Yes. Yes. One of the greatest at using his feet in the history of the sport, no doubt. And win or lose, he's a first battle Hall of Famer. I don't like how uh, 
people try to dismirch, besmirch his uh, record. He's fought everybody. One thing about Lomachenko, he's fought, and once again, he's fighting another very good to great fighter in Devin Haney. Yeah, so that is not the only fight that is happening uh, later today. There was supposed to be a rematch of uh, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. It was going to be in Dublin. Serrano had to pull out. So the fight is still going to happen, or the the show is still going to happen, but now Katie Taylor is facing Chantel Cameron. And I'm not sure. There was a point where... You you weren't a, a giant fan of. Let me tell boxing. you something. You know what made me a giant fan? Two things: the Katie Taylor Amanda Serrano fight last year, which was an amazing fight, and the the surgence of Alicia Baumgartner from Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So now I follow Katie Taylor and I follow Alicia Baumgartner, and uh, Chantel Cameron actually lost to Katie Taylor in the Olympics. 11 years ago. And so she she's got that she's got that fire in her and they're both undefeated fighters. But I want to say and shout out to uh Mark Red and Duan, two of our UK buddies. Yes. Uh and Duan was the guy who told me 6 7 years ago that Katie Taylor was going to be a star. Yep. Right? Yep. And he was right. Of all the women boxers in the history of women's boxing, I got Katie Taylor Possibly the greatest female boxer of all time. And I think that's going to be enough. And she's a tremendous boxer puncher. I see her winning a tough, but a, a definite unanimous decision over Chantel Cameron. Uh Katie doesn't knock people out, but she does enough with her wizardry inside the, the ring to win the fight. It's good. This might be a tougher fight for her than Amanda Serrano, but kudos to Katie Taylor. You know, Women's boxing is in such a different place than when I was young because the only woman boxer that I could name was Christy Martin. And, and, then, then, and then Layla Ali. That and was that, it. And then we, Layla yeah, Ali, yeah. Yeah. But Christy Martin, you know, they'd put her on some undercards and, you know, she was she she she, she had some power in her. So, you know, she would get some knockdowns and, and you know, see her on Sports Center and stuff. But, you know, where we are today with women's boxing is is so far above where we were when, when I was younger. Although, you know what? I have Katie as the second greatest female boxer of all time. I forgot about Clarissa Shields. Yeah. Clarissa Shields, who was about to headline Little Caesars Arena, and she's going to probably sell it out. Uh, she's from Flint, Michigan, so she's going to be headlining a card, the first big card in Detroit since, since I think James Tony's wow. prime. It's been a long time, and I'm glad because Detroit might be the number one city in the history of boxing with the most legendary fighters, Sugar Ray Robinson, Joe Lewis, Thomas Hearns. The list is endless. Um, so kudos. So I got Clarissa number one and Katie number two as far as all-time great female boxers. And if they were men, they would make millions as yep. great as those are. Because yep. Clarissa Shields is a female Floyd Mayweather. Well, and then, you know, for, for Clarissa, in order for her to kind of, you know, make a little bit more money, she she tried her hand at, at MMA. I don't, know was, I don't know if she's still doing that. That was a, mis- but... that was a mistake. I, I I hope she never does that again because she could have suffered some type of career-ending injury. Yeah. You, 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 can't, you can't control anything once you're inside 
the octagon. God, that, the, her uh, handlers made a mistake allowing her to take that. They should have said no, no, no. And um, there's a biopic being made about her. So uh, hopefully that comes out with before the end of the year because I heard they finished filming. Oh, wow. The, the very beautiful Ryan Destiny played Clarissa Shields. And I believe the movie's done. They're just waiting for a release date. The Life and Times of Clarissa Shields. Yeah, and then we also, you know, for boxing fans, you also have the Andre Ward documentary that's coming I can't out wait. in a couple I can't weeks wait. here. I, and speaking of someone, Andre Ward, both his parents, uh, drug, drug addicts, he basically was homeless at the age of 12. Virgil Hunter took him in. I'm, I just can't wait until they talk all about that. And then Virgil Hunter being a, a legend in your neck of the woods, yeah. uh, Northern California. Then I find, we find out 20 years later that he's the actual father of another uh, Northern California legend, Keisha Cole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So he's raising Andre Ward, <laughs> and all this time in the same city in Oakland, he's got a daughter that he doesn't know about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that was crazy when that story came out. It's like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? He 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 had a one night stand with her mother, and it came out years later. He took a she, uh, Keisha Cole approached. Uh, I hope they showed this in the documentary. That would be he, cool. He, he she approached Virgil and said, "My my mother thinks you might be my father." He went, "All right, let me take a DNA," and boom. Yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Uh, all right, let's let's end this by talking about a guy who you've been talking about for for quite a while, Shakur Stevenson. So he's kind of he he he's waiting. He's we, he's scheduled to fight the winner. So Lomachenko versus Haney. So we saw the Tank Davis fight. We have this this uh, this fight coming up, and Shakur's kind of on the outside looking in. And you think that he might be the best one of all of them. Shakur Stevenson is the greatest defensive fighter on the planet, active right now. In the history of my watching boxing, 47 years now watching boxing, he has the potential to be the greatest defensive fighter of all time. I said potential because Floyd and Sweepy are at the top, and Shakur, while his numbers are amazing as far as defensive adequacy, no one hits him. He still has to beat the guys that Floyd and Purnell beat. He hasn't beat those guys yet. The the winner of this fight facing Shakur could be a stepping stone for him to reach that level of all-time greatness as far as a fighter in the ring. And Shakur, just like Purnell and Floyd, he'll stay right in front of you. You can't hit him. I've been impressed with Shakur since day one, since 2016, ladies and gentlemen, on the various podcasts, including when I've been on with Garrett, my own podcast, the several I've done. I've said from the very beginning, Shakur Stevenson was going to be an all-time great, and it's going to finally come to fruition once he faces the winner of Lomachenko versus uh, Haney. If uh, if Haney wins, if if Loma wins, do you have Shakur favored over both those guys? He's the better. He's the best of the three fighters. Now it's not going to be easy because uh, even though Lomachenko is in his mid thirties, you always have that old adage: uh, 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 a great fighter has that one great fight left in him. And uh, Haney 
and Shakur would be like looking in the mirror. Like, one's a softball, one's a conventional fighter, conventional orthodox fighter. So it would be like they're looking in the mirror. It, while I think Lomachenko would be the easier fight for Shakur, Haiti will not be a cakewalk. And while I say Shakur beats both, it will not be easy. Neither fighter will be easy, especially Haiti. Haiti would be a tough fight because there's a lot of Shakur in Haiti and a lot of Haiti in Shakur. Uh, so on your podcast, on uh, it will go up Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Uh, you'll have the recap uh, of this fight, and what are are you? I know you're doing some Q and A still, and then you're, you're the newest pro- the newest project, and this is what and kudos to Garrett, the CEO of uh, Fight Game Media. When I started doing the show solo after Carlos had to leave a year and a half ago, Garrett said, well, why don't you start reading your articles on the air? Uh, So I did my greatest fighters of the last 45 years uh, project. Now I'm on to another set of articles I wrote on FightGameMedia.com, the greatest knockouts in boxing history. Last week I did number 25, James Tony historic knockout of Michael Nunn. This week it'll be number twenty-four, and I believe it's it's Simon Brown's knockout over Terry Norris. I think that is, but uh, we'll know. You'll know Wednesday morning when the show comes out. Yeah, I mean the idea is that Robert's written so many great pieces for us. I was like, hey, like why don't you do like an audio book version of the article? Yes, since yes. you have it written, and I'm sure there's opportunities for you to freestyle in there as well to kind of talk well, deeper well, about things. Well, what what I did was because the last seven fighters on my uh, list, eight, seven or eight fighters, you had shut down the website for a while, so you couldn't publish the articles. So, well, I wrote a lot of it. Some of them I just freestyled. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just sat down, especially with Floyd and Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, the first half were articles I wrote prior for the for the for for the website like because I had Floyd is the greatest junior lightweight of all time and Sugar Ray is one of the greatest welterweights of all time so I did that first and then the following parts was all freestyle I look at their records and I just said all right that night I was there with my father we saw this blah 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 so yeah but uh with the greatest knockouts there's no need to freestyle because all 25 are up on the on the website so yeah um Garrett will be going back to 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 doing that and Man, and oh, and Garrett, I just, you know, I want to congratulate you and the rest of the staff on Fight Game Media Network. You showed me the numbers. We are we are getting more traction as far as the podcast going. I love it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to grow. It's hard to grow, but it's fun to grow. You know, it's hard to grow because how, even even six, seven years ago, they were a plethora of wrestling podcasts. Yeah. And there's even more now. I, I mean, know, I know. There's so much competition. So to get the numbers that you guys get, considering you've only been doing it two, three years, right? Well, I mean, you're, you too. You're, you're a big part of that. You're, uh, your shows, you know, I, I would say uh, if, we, if we look at the top 10 every month, we got at least one or even two pound for pounds it, in there. That's because so. I brought my audience over from 
the prior boxing podcast I did. So I had a slight advantage. The only person with a bigger advantage is our boy Fubi. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a worldwide audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, Robert was talking about these articles. We stopped publishing them on the website because I was trying to figure out what to do with it. But um, I, I am going to start putting those back up. So seven through one. We'll eventually get them all up, but my you it, it, it's cu- really you got you got a couple, and then I'll just once you put those two up, I'll give you the rest, and then yeah. you when you ever you want to do it, you do it. Yeah, we'll try to get them uh, at least one a week up yeah. uh, right now, but uh, yeah. So uh, appreciative of, of Robert here, also of the the audience, the listeners, the people who subscribe to this feed, the people who download these podcasts. Uh, we we love doing them, and you know we we want to see them grow and. If you can leave a leave a five star review for us, that is also helpful. If you if you are listening through Apple Podcasts, but uh, Robert, thanks for doing this. I'm glad that uh, you were available tonight because I I had a couple of other plans on on what I wanted to do, and you and I were going to do a little bit of a shorter segment, but I may push that stuff out next week. So I was just like, hey, you know, Robert can talk more than just what we were going to talk about. So let's lengthen this. So I appreciate you being available. After a, a long day of work, especially. So uh, thank you for that. And also thanks to Dave Meltzer for the opening segment, talking about superstar Billy Graham and his influence. Hey, one, last, one last thing I want to say. Rest in peace, superstar Billy yeah. Graham. Probably, and I'm, I haven't heard what Dave said yet because I'm recording this after you recorded with Dave. I don't know, top five most influential wrestler of all time. You guys brought up brought it up. You and John yesterday on, yeah. on the podcast. As far as influential wrestlers go, I mean, he he's fighting for number one because uh, the the biggest star of all time totally ripped off his style. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If with, with uh, I mean, it was it was him doing superstar with Vince McMahon behind the wheel, going like. We need to do superstar. Like that's who that's who's the guy. Yeah, because is. right because he wanted superstar to turn face, but his father was like, no, no, Backlund's our guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Robert. Thanks again. Also, thanks to Dave Meltzer. Uh, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you next week. Peace out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.